Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. What is not fun about Connecticut today is the traffic that's out there. You know, I was at the studio this morning doing the news. And when I'm in the studio, I don't know if this is legit, but this is how I feel. I feel insulated in a way from what's going on in the world. That nothing can bother me. I'm in my happy place. I'm in the studio. And I'm hearing from talking heads, I'm hearing from listeners that the traffic was somewhat congested out there today and is that case everywhere because of the Labor Day holiday weekend. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I drove in to work at four in the morning. It was just fine. Then I got on the roads just after 12 noon. Yeah, (laughs) it is really um, congested in places on the highway. Um, So if you're traveling through greater Hartford, if you're down in Meriden, If you're in Fairfield County, I feel for you. So just be aware that if you're going to take a drive, and if it's going to usually take you on the highway 30 minutes to get to where you're supposed to be, add at least 15 just to be safe. I did learn that the hard way today, that uh, the talking heads, like myself, are telling you the truth, that there is some traffic out there. There is some good traffic, though, in the town of Bolton. If you think back to our talk show last weekend about the Fish Family Farm in Bolton, Connecticut, today is their Fish Family Farm Day. Started at 9 a.m., goes until 5 o'clock. Still a little bit of time for you to get out there. Proceeds go to the Lutz Museum. All the ice cream you can eat, barn tours, some live music, games you can play, arts and crafts that you could take part in, the farmer's market that's going on as well, and then you could walk up to the store and you can take part in buying more ice cream, milk, and dairy, and everything that the Fish Family Farm has to offer. It really is a kickoff, an unofficial kickoff to fall season here. There's also the Woodstock Fair going on in eastern Connecticut, so if you're into fairs, eastern Connecticut's the place to be. But when I drove by Bolton, I did happen to notice that there is a steady stream of vehicles going up to Fish Family Farm. And so I am happy that word got out, and yet again they're having another successful Fish Family Farm Day over there in Bolton. Again, three more hours of that, so if you're not too far away, maybe you want to stop on up. What you do need to know, tickets are $10. Members of the Lutz Museum pay $8 to get in. Beautiful place and just amazing to do a talk show on them last week. This week, our talk show is going to be quite a bit different. If you thought the story that we did on the New Canaan Library was niche, well, this is definitely a niche story, but it's a fun one. It's a cute one. I think it would be great for a holiday weekend. And there is a tie-in to Connecticut. You've got to bear with me, but there is a tie-in to Connecticut. It's all about, today's show is all about one lady, Terry Lee Jenkins, this lady. Listen to Color Radio on WIL. Wonderful Color Radio on WIL. With colorful programs day and night and hourly news reports. Popular music always bright and the news of the weather and sports. They've gone to color on WIL. Well, lots to break down today about Terry Lee Jenkins, who was a studio singer and sang in radio stations back when they had bands and orchestras live in the studio going back to World War II. She's 95 now, and she's going to be my guest throughout the hour talking about the old days and jingles that she sang on. And like you just heard, I have examples to help 
tell the story. That's just to warm everybody up, that jingle there. But I have more and very specific stories. She got to work with Glenn Campbell. She has quite the story to tell about her life, really living the American dream. I got to know Terry starting in 2016. In 2016, I was in college. I was working on a project about singing and so on, and somebody had recommended that I interview Terry. And because of my radio connections, um, I knew somebody that knew her. They gave me an email address. Sure enough, she was super excited to talk to me. On a personal note, my two grandmothers had passed away, one before I was born and one about a year before I got to know Terry. And Terry came into my life, and we've been emailing back and forth or talking on the phone occasionally ever since 2016, and she's kind of been like a third grandmother figure for me. I just love hearing her stories of the old days, if you will. And we're bringing her on Spotlight Connecticut this week. She's going to reminisce on various projects she did, and yes, like I said, a Connecticut tie. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Bill in Plainville, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Live with you on this Saturday, part of Labor Day weekend, and I thought that we would do something lighthearted and fun for Labor Day weekend, and that would be the story of Terry Lee Jenkins. Now, to help tell Terry's story, because there are some nuances and some things I could really get into the weeds about, and I'm trying to keep everything general and fun and informative at the same time and historical as well. I brought in a second guest. John Wolford is his name. He is the president of Jam Creative Productions in Dallas and also Pam's Productions Incorporated in Dallas. All of the jingles that we're going to be playing today, by the way, as examples from Terry's career come originally from Pam's of Dallas, where John worked. And if I were to ask John, and I've asked him the question before, and he always gives kind of the same answer, and it's so succinct and it's so right. If I asked John how Jingles got started, why did radio stations start to use them to help identify their brands, he would say something along these lines. John? The radio stations had call letters, and usually stations back then would identify themselves just with these letters they didn't have names like they do today where they call themselves mix or kiss or whatever and it was just this jumble of letters and it was difficult for listeners to remember what station they were listening to and the reason that that's important is because the way that radio stations make money is by selling commercials the way they justify what they can charge for the commercials is based on the size of the audience well the way that they get to demonstrate a large audience is by showing up high in the ratings and in order for a station to get in the ratings, somebody has to remember what they heard so they can tell the ratings company. They were looking for a way to imprint the names of these stations into the minds of the listeners in a way that would make it easier for them to remember. And so since the theory is that a catchy little musical phrase is uh, sometimes easier to remember than a spoken announcement. They started setting these call letters to music. Just like when little kids learn their ABCs, they don't recite them, they sing the ABC song. 
because it's easier to remember A, B, C, D, E, F, G, that whole thing. That was really what started the whole thing. And you could probably think yourself of some jingles that are memorable to you. Now, Pam's, where John worked and now he owns Pam's, they created something that was revolutionary called syndicated jingles, where you had one backing track and you resold it to other radio stations or other clients with new lyrics, and then the singers would come in and re-sing those jingles with the new lyrics. This was the innovation that Pam's, the company that you mentioned, actually came up with in the very early 50s. And Pam's, P-A-M-S, actually stands for something. It stands for Production Advertising Merchandising Service. And it was started here in Dallas by a guy named Bill Meeks. And their idea was, because creating a brand new jingle package is kind of expensive, because you're employing writers and arrangers and musicians and a studio and all this, they knew that most radio stations, especially in the smaller markets, wouldn't be able to necessarily afford that. So they said, all right, well, we'll bring in all these musicians and the other talent, and we'll create a package of jingles for somebody, but then we'll offer those same jingles to stations in other cities, in other areas. And so if they recorded a custom jingle package for a station in Dallas, well, then they could send a tape of that to a station in Minneapolis, and if that station liked them, all that had to happen was they would need to bring the singers back in and change the lyrics, change the vocal, maybe adjust the melody a little bit. But the music tracks, all of that instrumentation, was already done, but with different vocals on top of them for different areas of the country. All right, time for an example with Terry Lee on vocals, of course. We feel so happy, go lucky, having you Listeners in town, you hum with the music and heed the weather. I listen to the news and that's why we feel so happy go lucky at WQAM Miami 560. I'll send that out to our friend Stephen listening in the audience. WQAM, our Odyssey sister station down in Miami at the time, they did music. And now they are a sports station. So you take that backing track and a station in Connecticut could even have it. We feel so happy, go lucky, having you around. We feel so happy, go lucky with the best listeners in town. You hum with the music and heed the weather. I listen to the news and that's why. We feel so happy-go-lucky at WNLC New London 1490, the top of the dial WNLC New London 1490 A now-defunct station that served New London at the time WNLC New London and Terry was heard there She was heard worldwide as we're going to find out today Well, let's bring her on Hi there, Terry Hi, Morgan, how are you? I'm good, good, how are you doing? I'm getting old. <laughs> oh, stop it. Well, when you're 95 and a little bit more, you're old. I was a Depression kid in the 30s, and I went to a kiddie show 
because if you got on the show, you got two tickets to the theater. And I got on. So that's where all this started, at a kiddie show in Austin, Texas. From what I understand, your family supported you in singing, didn't they, Terry? Yeah, of course. They didn't know I was going to try to sing, you know. But when I got down there and found out you get two free tickets if you got on the show, I thought, I'm going to sing and get on the show. <laughs> and I did, and I got the two tickets. And this was in the Depression and believe me, it was 25 cents to go to a show, to a theater, and that was a lot of money. Wow. 25 cents was the top price at that time. Anyway, that's where all this got started. A whole quarter. Can you believe that? Now, she, as she said, grew up during the Depression and started to sing more and more often during World War II, didn't you, Terry? Fast forward to World War II, and my dad was a friend of uh, Mr. John Penninger in Austin, Texas. And he was head of the USO. And he called my father and he said, can Terry sing on my USO show? I was 14 years old. My dad said, only if you are on the show, because Mr. Penninger was a close friend of their families. So that's how I got started. And we used to work and sing at Camp Swift. There were 90,000 soldiers at Camp Swift. It was the 102nd Infantry Division. And uh, I was queen of melody of Camp Swift, and I was 14 years old. <laughs> but I, they'd take us out in the middle of the field, and they'd drive up a big uh, truck and put the piano up on it and the and the orchestra, and we'd put on the whole show for 500 young soldiers, and they were all 18 years old, and I was 14. So as the years went on, I sang with different orchestras that were with the uh, Army, then finally singing in the jingle business. And before you were singing in the jingle business, you were singing at studio orchestras with radio stations. And I believe, Terry, you were part of something called the Early Birds down there in Texas. I had been on a morning early bird program, they called it, the Early Birds. It was a full orchestra commercial show in the morning. And uh, every morning, people woke up to breakfast with the Early Birds. And I was on that show for nine years. That's when Bill Meeks formed Pam's Recording Company. We cut lots and lots of jingles. Lots and lots of jingles. We're going to continue to hear some of them right now. Some of the earliest jingles when Bill discovered Terry, brought her on board. Some of the earliest ones that she sang for them sounded like this. It's a brand new kind of radio. KMYR New Radio. KMYR's Gone Color. KMYR's Color Radio is bright and brilliant radio. KMYR's Gone Color. News and music always bright and vivid. Say goodbye to radio dull and faded. KMYR's Color Radio is a brand new kind of radio on KMYR in Denver. Like she said, she sang lots and lots of those. It's a brand new kind of radio. 
Cousins Color Radio is bright and brilliant radio. Cousins Gone Color. News and music always bright and vivid. Say goodbye to radio dull and faded. Cause Cousins Color Radio is a brand new kind of radio on KUSN. One of the things I love about Terry's voice is how bright it sounds. Cousin, you hear that? I love that. John Wolfert, back with us. I hope John can explain what this color radio means. John, what is it? There was a radio station in Los Angeles called KFWB, and it was programmed by a guy named Chuck Bloor. And he started using the phrase color radio because... Everybody was worried that television was going to completely eclipse radio. Nobody would listen to radio anymore because television was getting more and more popular. And then color television came along. So Chuck Bloor said, well, okay, we'll just call this color radio because, you know, we, we have all the different musical colors, and I, however I wanted to rationalize it, they did. But they started calling it color radio sort of to compete with the notion of color TV. Now, there's another story that Bill Meeks, who was the founder of PAMS and who I worked for for several years, and I asked him about that, and he said that uh, he gave me a different story. He said that there was a listener to a station in Denver that was owned by Gordon McClendon, who was a famous guy in the history of radio as far as sort of in, inventing or perfecting the top 40 music format. But anyway, he had a station, uh, among other places, in Denver, and this blind woman had written to this station that she listened to saying, well, I'm blind, but I love listening to your radio station because it's it's my color radio. It lets me imagine the colors of what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So, so Gordon McClendon, who was headquartered in Dallas and had a station here, too, got in touch with Bill Meeks because they had worked together even prior to Pam's existing and uh, said, hey, this phrase, color radio, uh, maybe we should do something with that. And so some of those Series 6 jingles that Terry sang on uh, were actually for that station in Denver, KMYR. And uh, so it's e it's either the, the blind lady in Denver who, who used the phrase color radio, or it was Chuck Bloor in L.A. who used the phrase color radio. But either way, it did become a very widespread phrase for a little while. A little while, that's right, because here we are in 2023. We don't say WTIC color radio, and we've survived just fine. But it was cute at the time, wasn't it, Terry? I did a takeoff on uh, Peggy Lee. It was color radio, and I did the whole package by myself. They sold a bundle of those to little radio stations all over the United States, Oh, I'll never forget one day I cut 52 jingles in one day. <laughs> and one of the fellows came and said, My God, Terry, you've cut 52 jingles today. <laughs> if you were on a roll, you really did well. You just showed up, the engineer played them for you, and you sang them. 
but I loved it. I had a ball. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut. Our special guest this week is Terry Lee Jenkins. More on the way. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. And our special guest this weekend is Terry Lee Jenkins, age 95, a studio singer who once had the chance to work with Glenn Campbell, as you just heard him there, Wichita Lyman. Yes, he showed up at the Pam's Jingle Studio. That story's on the way, along with other tales, including a song of Terry's that has more or less become a collector's item these days. So stay tuned. More of that to come. I do want to let you know, if you want to reach out to me, tell me you love the show, maybe you hate the show, you've got an idea for the show, any of that, you can reach out morgan.cunningham at odyssey.com. There's an email address, social media. I'll go through it all for you. The email address again, morgan.cunningham at odyssey.com, M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at odyssey.com. Find me on social media at MC News Talk, Facebook, Twitter. I am there at MC News Talk. Like my page, follow me, and all of the updates that you'll need, they're there on my social handles, at MC News Talk. Now, one cool thing about jingles is they really do take you back in time. How cool, how warm, will the skies be clear or stormy? What's the forecast, the pressure and humidity? The wind direction and velocity. Give us the story climatologically. Our sister station, 1010 Winds and 92.3 FM, but at the time they were WINS simply on 1010 AM, and they were not all news yet. They didn't go all news until 1965, and Terry sang that jingle for them back when they were kind of full service and they were doing music as well. Um, but that was well before their all-news era, Terry Lee Jenkins singing that in 1958 for them. Now, Terry does have a regret, and uh, I've heard this story, I think, every time I talk to Terry. She does really regret this. They had a big uh, audition here for Bob Hope, and uh, he had he was looking for a singer for his uh, radio show at that time. And he came to Dallas, and we got called at the last minute, and a whole bunch of us were brought down to the theater on a Sunday morning, and we all sang for Bob Hope. Anyway, to make a long story short, I got word afterward, they said Mr. Hope was very, very complimentary of your work, and he wanted to know if you wanted to stay behind scenes today. So I got to... Uh, spend the afternoon with Mr. Hope. And, of course, I was all of 17 and just about as dumb as you can imagine. And, Morgan, it makes me mad to this day. I didn't ask him to take pictures. No. Can't believe that. That's pitiful. <laughs> You're still mad about it. I'm still disgusted at myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had a blast. I was having fun getting to meet Bob Hope, and too stupid to remember to ask him to, you know, anyway. Now, where were cell phones back then, huh? That would have been so easy to get a picture with Bob Hope. More from Terry on the way, coming up. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Aaron in Stanford, and you're listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Woo! 
Having a lot of fun talking with my friend Terry Lee Jenkins today and learning more about her career and sharing that story with you. Of course, we're just able to do a little bit. And like I said, this is a niche topic. I get that. I understand that. And we're going through it rather quickly. But if you'd like to learn more, you can go to PAMS.com, PAMS.com, PAMS.com. All the history you need is there. And I also would like to thank John Wolford, who's been on with us today as well, for giving us permission to use some of Terry's jingles as examples to help illustrate our talking points today. It's all so good. When you do seven one oh, I hear the news, weather and music too. WHP, safety bomb for you. That jingle from a package called Series 8, and Terry sang that package, drumroll, and it can, can you hear this? Drumroll. She sang that 400-plus times. So you're bound to hear yourself all over, Terry. Oh, that was fun, Morgan. My husband was in Oak Park, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And so every summer we used to go see his mother and took the kids to see their grandmother. And it was fun because all the way from Dallas to Chicago, I would hear myself in all these little towns across the country in the jingles that I had cut. Including those used here in Connecticut. But what did your family think about all this? You're driving your kids around and they're hearing their mom on the radio. It was just something to do. It was just do it and go home, (laughs) you know. What did your kids think about this job? Not much. Matter of fact, they don't, They still don't. Really? You know? No, they don't. It's a season, you know, for everybody a season. They knew I performed, but they weren't aware of what fun it was for me to, for, to be with Mr. Bob Hope for the day. I want everybody to think back a few weeks on Spotlight Connecticut. We visited Vernon Vinyl in Vernon. We talked about records and how sometimes the most unusual records or things that you don't expect to be worth anything are actually worth quite a bit of money. Terry sang a song called My Hometown, and it was redone for cities across the country, across the world, actually. There were some in Canada, one in London. And if you can find an original copy of My Hometown, I have seen them sell in the $50 range. Yes, 50 bucks if you have a single version of one of these songs. I'll play part of this one. Let me tell you about Washington, I want the world to know. About the sights to see and things to do in the capital on the grow. We have great hotels and fine motels to serve you one and all. Famous places, attractions all year round. Washington, Washington, that's my hometown. We have our stately White House, our monuments so tall. Obviously singing about Washington, D.C., there were plenty of these, and like I said, they are all worth something if you have an original copy. Terry, tell me a little bit about what you remember about my hometown. I guess I must have cut at least a hundred of those 
you know, for uh, towns and the cities all over the United States, my hometown, just walk in and I'd cut two or three of two or three of them. I don't know how I did it. And besides that, we did never have any uh, music to go with that. It was they wrote different lyrics every time we did uh, a recording of my hometown for a particular town, they would just put them on a piece of paper and I'd go in and sing it that way over and over again. John Wolfert's back with us. Tell me a little more about what you know about my hometown, John. My hometown was a uh, a song, not quite a full-length song. I forget how long it is. Maybe it's about 90 seconds or so. But uh, it was conceived in the very early 60s as a promotion for radio stations. It was this this nice little song about civic pride and uh, boosting your community and so forth and then tying your radio station into that. They would press it onto records, like 45 uh, records, and sometimes they would give them away Sometimes they would sell them for charity. Uh, Sometimes they would sell it as a promotion to a local merchant. They'd say, okay, we're going to make these records, and we're going to have my hometown on one side, but you, Chevrolet dealer, can put whatever you want on the other side. And, you know, that's how they paid for it. They got money from the sponsor, whoever it was. So it was used a lot of different ways, but not only all across the USA, but other countries as well. John, I know you're fascinated from a production standpoint of these. She never learned to read music. She's just a quick study, and she has a great ear. So she would know, of course, how the song went, and she'd go into Pam's, usually in the evening back then, and they would hand her the lyrics, typed up on a piece of paper, not written out as music, And she would just kind of know how to fit those words to the song, and they'd just do it. And then they would uh, back up the tape, and they'd do a second pass where she would sing harmony with herself. And just because of her natural skill, she was able to match all of the rhythms and, and everything that she had done the first time on that second harmony pass, which is hard to do, especially if you're not looking at music. It was just her remembering how she did it the first time and matching it exactly the second time to do the harmony part. And it was in an era when you would have to pretty much sing the whole thing from front to back without stopping. Because these days you can record things in pieces or you can go back and and uh, we call it punching in. You can just replace a line if you didn't like it but not have to re-sing the whole thing. But back then with the equipment that was available, she sang the whole thing straight through. And then for the harmony part, she sang the whole thing straight through. And sometimes they they knocked out half a dozen of those for different cities in one evening. It's just amazing. Boggles my mind. Terry had the chance to sing a package at a project with Mr. Glenn Campbell. Terry singing lead there in the valley. Now, if you listen to this guitar track in the background, it's Glenn Campbell playing. 
bet you didn't know that he did studio stuff as well. But he did. And it makes sense because, obviously, jingles are a reflection of what's popular. And if you're a country station and you're playing country music, then obviously having Glenn Campbell, a then-country superstar, that helps a little bit, doesn't it? Glenn Campbell came in to cut a, a bunch of uh, jingles, and uh, all musicians are all alike. You know, everybody wanted to one-up the one before, and uh, one of them said, well, uh, do you read very much? And Glenn uh, Campbell looked at him and said, well, not enough to hurt my picking, huh. you know stopped him dead in his tracks because he was lead. Now, what do you remember, Terry, about meeting him? Oh, sure. We all worked with him and had a good time. He was tremendous talent, and I think he ended up with Alzheimer's. He did. be sad, yeah. But, boy, he was terrific talent, and what they did was they, they bought the package and sold it to the radio stations all over the United States. So it was fabulous. But like I said, that, that was big business in those days, Morgan. The big question, Terry, do you still sing? I don't sing anymore because male vocalists always were able to keep on singing. Female singers... Never did make it for a long. Their voices changed to the point where it didn't work anymore. You know, it finally gives out. But I sing for my own pleasure. You know, <laughs> I still love music. Can't, I can't do without it. Well, can you sing a little bit for us now, Terry? <laughs> oh, well, bless your heart. One of the jingles that I did that I loved here in Dallas, start the day with the world at your doorstep. Something like that. But it was cute. It was one of my favorites. I had a ball doing all of it, Morgan. I really did. And you're sweet to call and sweet to ask me my memories. I always love your my hometown. Let me tell you about my hometown. It's yeah. really great. Let me tell you about Dallas, Dallas. That's my hometown. Then if they said... <laughs> Phoenix, Phoenix, thousands of those that I felt like I I think I did a hundred, over a hundred of those. Terry, I do hate to say goodbye. We are running out of time, though. It was just a fun little look back with you here on Spotlight Connecticut. I know that your jingles were heard in Connecticut. We had an example earlier in the program, but uh, I'm glad that we were able to get you on for the amount of time that we did. I could talk with you a lot longer, though, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, aren't you? You know, my cell phone has a picture of you mm -hmm. and your dad and me. Oh, you have that? I have it. I love that. Yeah, I see you every day. Oh, that's and, amazing, Terry. Thank and you. I took, and if you remember when we met, I took you to eat some real Texas barbecue. At Dickie's? Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah, it was. We still have the cup from the restaurant. Well, I've got the picture of you and your dad on my cell phone. I see you every day. God bless you, Terry. We love you. Thank you very much for this. Let's talk again soon, and I'll think of some other memories. And I sure love you. I love you, too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Terry Lee, such a sweetheart and a lot of fun. Yeah, when I was down in Dallas, Texas in 2018, I had never been down there before. 
And I said, Terry, I'd love to meet you. And also, do you have any places where I could go to eat or try something out? And she said, yeah, well, I want to meet you too. And so we met in person, got some pictures. She still has them on her phone. I have them as well on my computer. I don't keep a lot of things on my phone, but on my computer, they're there. And uh, we still have the cup from Vicky's Barbecue. So I see that in the kitchen all the time. Now, to close out the show, I did want to play something that Terry did, a full version of My Hometown. Unfortunately, there was no My Hometown for Connecticut, at least that we know of. Maybe there was that got lost, but I'm pretty confident um, I have most of the My Hometown songs, and there's nothing there for Connecticut. But I did think about Hawaii and all the devastation that they have gone through with the wildfires and how we at WTIC have long since had a partnership going with the Salvation Army. So I wanted to remind everybody that the Eastern Division of the Salvation Army does say that you can make donations to go toward helping that effort. And if you need that information again, all you've got to do is text FIRE RELIEF to 51555. That's texting FIRE RELIEF to 51555. Call 1-800-SAL-ARMY, 1-800-SAL-ARMY, or you could visit www.salarmy.us forward slash Hawaii Wildfires 2023. Terry Lee taking us out this week on Spotlight Connecticut. Next week, I go to the sky, literally. Let me tell you about my hometown, largest in Aloha State. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.